Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. dun 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 yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Ghostbusters. Yes, these are professional mu- musicians. Hey, <laughs> that's exactly what our band sounds like. Too. <laughs> Pretty much. It, it sounds like I'm wheezing through some falsetto for most of our songs. Anyway, Ghostbusters coming out this week. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it, too. It's all I can think about. <laughs> <laughs> I would have preferred a sequel, to tell you the truth. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't yeah, really too. understand the whole reboot thing, but but me we'll either. see. I mean, there's a lot that's happened in the paranormal world, you know, since uh, the Ghostbusters came out in 1984, 32 years ago now. So, uh, you know, maybe they're going to address all those you know, changes like the the advent of, you know, this extreme popularity of, of paranormal investigation in, in pop culture. I read an interview with Paul Feig, the director, who also directed Bridesmaids and Spy, and he was the one who created Freaks and Geeks, which I think is his finest creation, because I, I really enjoyed Freaks and Geeks when it was out. But he said that the reason they did a reboot was that he thought it wasn't interesting to start, um, you know, if, if they had the, the Ghostbusters going for the past 30 years, he thought he could make the reboot more interesting as an origin story than a continuation of the story. Hmm, okay. Well, wait, sorry. Can we just rewind for a second? Yeah. We just dove right, right into this. Sorry, so, we started singing the theme. I know, I know. And we're all really excited about the Ghostbusters thing. But first it's of all, all, my sister can think about <laughs> we should properly introduce that we have the lovely Allison Jorlin with us today. Yay! Once again, always happy to have you on the show with us, Allison. Oh, thank you. Woohoo! From Milwaukee Ghosts. Yes, sorry, from Milwaukee Ghosts. And last time we talked was after we all attended the Haunted America convention together. Yeah, that was, was very fun. fun. Oh, yeah, that feels like a long time ago, but it was just it a few weeks. It was, yeah. it was two weeks ago. Yes, and we were in the very comfortable comfort inn. <laughs> Recording the last podcast in Alton, Illinois, but mm-hmm. now we're back, back to Wisconsin, and thank you for joining us. You're welcome. I'm Wendy, and we have Mike as well. Hi, everybody. I'm Mike <laughs> from Sunspot, and Wendy and I play in a band together, and if you haven't heard it yet, uh, sunspotuniverse.com is where you can get our songs, and we're going to have a song for you at the end of this episode. That's right, as with every episode. So, okay, now I feel a little bit better. We're, we're kind of up to speed. Um, All right, now let's get back to talking ghosts. Oh, okay. okay. (laughs) And ghostbusters. No small talk. Let's just get to the ghosts. (laughs) Straight straight to the busting ghosts this week. I did have have a good week. I have been reading about the new Ghostbusters constantly, though. And that's what I was saying. Like the interview with Paul Feig when he said that he thought he could make a more interesting origin story than a sequel. But I also think that he was scared of making a sequel. Because oh. if you make if you make a reboot, the original's always there. You don't tarnish the reputation. That's true. And you can always be like, well, the reboot, like, that doesn't even exist. That was just made for, you know, it's like the American Red Dwarf. Like, who cares? You know, like if it really tanks, though, too, you can just be kind of like, okay, we'll just ignore that one. Mm-hmm. 
so I was disappointed in that. And other people are disappointed because they think that it's a gimmick, that it's all women this time instead of all men. Yeah, there's controversy around that. My goodness. And I, wh- Right. So that's hot on the Internet. Yeah, right now. That, that, that part's made me upset because, you know, historically, women have been involved in historical research, maybe more than men. And we Absolutely. can, we can get into that. As we go into, you know, the real life uh, influences of, of yeah. uh, the original Ghostbusters. I mean, I think some of it might just be because the characters were all, we, we are all so familiar with those four guys and they each played their part so well, you know, and, and so it's just hard to imagine, I guess anyone else, maybe female or male. <laughs> no, but, I, I think it's like, people think it's a gimmick, you know, like, oh, all yeah, chick Ghostbusters yeah. this time. And I think... I don't know. I mean, you take the same thing. You take four people who really cut their chops on, I mean, Saturday Night Live. And I guess Ernie Hudson was never on Saturday Night Live. And Harold Ramis was SCT, did SCTV stuff more than he did Saturday Night Live. But you take four uh, actors who are kind of in that world and put them together uh, in New York, fighting ghosts. Busting um, ghosts. Bust, right. Busting makes me feel good. <laughs> And um, you put them together. So I think I can see why they did that. And also Paul Feig, he's very, and I don't even know if I'm saying his name correct. Yeah, isn't that Feig? I'm not, I'm Feig, not sure. F-E-I-G. I was just going by the regular English w- rules. But um, maybe Paul Feig. Names that, don't follow the rules. That's okay. We did an entire podcast where I said David oh, that's Ick, right. I said David Icky instead of David Ike. Oh. <laughs> well, that, just, that's kind of a joke, you know, saying David Icky. Right. So either way, the director <laughs> of the... Poor <laughs> David Ike. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mr. Ike. He did Jim Harold last week, so we, I know we can oh, get him. Cool. So we'll have David Ike on sometime, and I'll, I'll apologize in person. Personally. And say, I'm sorry I called you Icky. <laughs> It's like you're it's like you're in kindergarten again. But the director of Ghostbusters, the the director of the new Ghostbusters, I think he just wants a chance to let his property live and die on its own. And you're taking the same premise and he's worked with these women before, not Leslie Jones, but he certainly worked with Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig. And then he just brings on the people that they're comfortable with. So I don't think it's a big deal. I think the role reversal is fine. I would have preferred to see Peter Venkman as a 65-year-old man. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Is he still hitting on girls? Is he still doing that leg thing when he oh, goes by man. the fountain? Remember that leg kick? Yeah. Well, I think we, we might see some of the principles in it. Oh, let's hope so. They I mean... In there. They have to. Yeah. I mean, if, oh, yeah. if anything, Dan you know, and Ernie Hudson are the on. Ghostbusters franchise is, is big on homages to the past. That's true. Well, at the same time, though, Ghostbusters, more than any other comedy I think made, has a very rich universe that goes along with it. Right. And I think that part of the resistance is maybe a reaction to that, because I think the original Ghostbusters came from a very authentic place that we can explore in this episode. And I think, you know, part of the fear of the new one is it's going to take that that strong foundation away and replace it with mm. with something that's you know too schlocky and artificial and gimmicky right, and and, and so maybe it's <laughs> yeah maybe it's not as much you know misogyny as oh you know women couldn't be ghostbusters but it, yeah. it's more of that you know like don't take 
this, uh, you know, pivotal first uh, first example in a genre. You know, this whole, you know, idea supernatural of supernatural comedy, supernatural effects driven comedy. Don't take that and, you know, destroy it with with something that that doesn't feel real. And, yeah, I agree with you, Allison. But you said, see, we're, we're going to talk about the original in just a second. But but you said, Mike, that um, maybe it does come from a place of authenticity off air when we were talking about Melissa McCarthy because she she has her own uh, and she's going to be a principal character in the new movie and and she I think she's the Ray character. I think she yeah. Melissa McCarthy is Ray. Oh. Yeah, I I think she might be. Uh, and and it's interesting. I've been reading about the original Ghostbusters, and they had this idea that you know the three of them had very important parts. Like Peter Venkman was the voice of the Ghostbusters. Ray was the heart, and Egon was the brain. So Peter Venkman. Peter Venkman was Bill Murray. Right. Lane Stance was Dan Aykroyd. Right. Egon Spengler was Harold Ramis. Moment yeah. of silence for Harold. Love you, Harold. And then uh, Winston Zedmore. Uh, came on Ernie uh, Hudson. Er- Hudson as an everyman character, so we could see that every person could be a Ghostbuster, and um, also what does he say? If it comes with a steady paycheck, I'll believe whatever you say. Right, and he was also a character that where you know you would have a natural reason for exposition to explain things. So um, that that's what he became. But you know, so maybe you know Melissa McCarthy, she's going to be the new heart of the Ghostbusters. So we'll see. But you said that um, you had seen some press about her um, having real-life ghost experiences. Is that right, Mike? uh, The actual headline was, Melissa McCarthy legit believes in ghosts. Oh, wow. That's a fact. Yeah, MarieClaire.com. And this is a couple months ago, actually. Wait, they use the word legit in a title of an article? It's This is the internet. They can do whatever they want now. Right. So, yeah, but they use the word legit. The elements of Scott's style are gone. <laughs> right. So Str- sad. Strunk and white are crying in their beer. <laughs> <laughs> um, didn't I get you a copy of Strunk and White's Elements of Style one year for your birthday, Allison? <laughs> I think funny. I feel I, like I should remember that. But if I you did, did uh, that I is did just sweet. Because you said, you said you were going to write a book. And I was like, this is the most useful thing you can use for your book. Anyway. Oh, that is um, just sweet. Thoughtful. But Melissa McCarthy said she grew up on a farm, and on a farm she would talk to people in the farmhouses. And she said, I don't know if they were the neighbors or who they were, but I was talking to people in the farmhouses. You or the was was she in a bar did she have barns or what what did she have there? Well let me go back and I can give you the original quote yeah. that um she said. She's like, I grew up on a farm and I didn't have any real friends. I have a very strong belief that people are out there because I was certainly talking to someone in those barns. Otherwise, I'm just crazy. I really strongly believe in ghosts. That's great. I I like to hear more. Well, that's the rest of it. She's just talking about she's excited about being in the Ghostbusters. She loves an underdog story, loves it when people become heroes. Um, That's it. That's what what of that's, ghosts? That's the extent what of the, the extent actual of her ghosts. ghost experience. Right. Marie Claire wasn't gonna get into an in depth paranormal investigation oh. on, on no. McCarthy. Marie Claire is in a scientific journal. <laughs> no, it's not. Even though even though with like diet tips they'll make you think they're a scientific journal. Marie Claire <laughs> is not a scientific journal. Well, 
just on the topic of celebrities and believing in ghosts, mm-hmm. uh, I thought it was interesting, and this is not related to the Ghostbusters movie, but it is related to ghosts. Okay. I was listening to the Tim Ferriss podcast recently, and um, I believe it was Malcolm Gladwell that he was interviewing. Yeah. And he said uh, he believes in ghosts. Holy crap. No. Is that is that the tipping point guy? Oh, yeah. That's the, yeah. Ti- that's the, the New Yorker's all-star. That's everybody's favorite article author with the crazy hair, Malcolm yeah. Gladwell. Yeah, he said that he had family, I think, in... Where was it? Like Jamaica or something? And he's like, yeah, everybody believes in ghosts. And he's like, stayed at my aunt's house and there was a ghost in the room and, you know, it's no big deal. Like, saw it in the middle of the night. <laughs> oh, I haven't listened to that podcast. Oh, yet. okay, okay, okay. Wow. No, I, I, send the link to me. I want to listen to that. But I'm a, Mal- I'm a Malcolm Gladwell super fan. I've listened. I've read. Oh. I've purchased all of his books. I thought the interview was excellent. So I'm giving Tim Ferriss a free plug here. <laughs> Yeah, his his podcast is often good, especially yeah. when he has excellent storytellers like Malcolm Gladwell on it. Right. It was the uh, June 21st episode. Okay. I'll but we'll put the link in the show notes at, yeah, that, at otherpodcast.com slash 100. Oh, right. and this is why happy 100, the- guys. So what led us to doing, for me to be interested in paranormal stuff, I always thought it was fun. But when I saw Ghostbusters, and Allison, were you with us when we, my, me, mom, and dad, when you, we saw it? Oh yeah, it that friend? was eighty four. So yeah, yeah but eighty four, you'd have been old enough to be in high school. And like, I don't want to see movies with my, with my family. Oh my no, I, I still went to go see movies with you guys. It wasn't we, that snobby. Because <laughs> we went from we went from grandma and grandpa's. We were grandma and grandpa's, and we went to go see Ghostbusters, and. I, I was like, holy cow. Like, that was my favorite. It still is my favorite film. Like when You I, were like, what? I, I was like, what do you want to do, Mike, when you grow up? I want to be a Ghostbuster. Aww. Like, I literally said that. <laughs> I, like when, how his vo- I like your impression of his voice, too. When we, yeah. I, and the thing is, when I, li- when I listen to my voice recorded, I realize I do sound like that still. Yes. I want to be a Ghostbuster. <laughs> it was career day, senior year of high school. I wore a lab coat with a Peter Venkman action figure in my pocket. That's awesome. To be a like. parapsychologist. So that was a career day. I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a Ghostbuster. I'm going to be a parapsychologist. Oh, my gosh. I did not know that. Still in high school. You were, <laughs> yeah. when you finally got to high school, you were really still into that. Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. I wish I would have known that. In fifth grade, I did a... Um, a Zanerdeck experiment when we had to do some kind of experiment we were learning in, in science class. Uh, I did a Zanerdeck thing and Ben was with me. <laughs> he was the subject. Yeah. Ben was with me on the Zanerdeck and from our, from our That's band, awesome. everybody. And you know, what's funny is that I did that Zanerdeck experiment and Ben and I got 22 out of the 25 cards. Correct. Holy cow. Whoa. You guys are in sync. And Psychic. when we were psych in college, I also did a remote viewing experiment. I remember that. I think I participated. I believe you did participate in that, Wendy. But Ben and I did it together, and we got 100% correct on the remote viewing. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. I had no idea you were such a side geek. That is incredible. Not only only bandmates, they are psychic mates. Like linked. Right. That was amazing. But, you know, we did find evidence of the fact that uh, you really have the credentials to be a Ghostbuster mic. Oh, you know what yeah. I'm speaking of? 
Yes, I do. Okay, does everyone remember book fairs when book fairs would come into grade school? Well, yes, they're so I'm a fun. teacher, and it, they still happen. They, still they do? Okay. <laughs> yes, we still have book fairs. Doesn't everybody oh, just get their stuff yeah. on a Kindle now? That's nope. What, that's what Even though Egon Spengler was quoted as saying, print is dead, it's still very much alive <laughs> in the elementary schools anyway. That's great. I'm glad. But can you get Tobin's spirit guide on the Kindle is what I want No, to but... <laughs> We can talk about that because, uh, you know, all those uh, occult texts that they had in, in uh, Ghostbusters, you know, have, have uh, real life corollaries or, analogs. you know, yeah, analogs. OK, so what Allison is talking about then is that there was a like a little picture book that said how to be a Ghostbuster. It was like Ghostbusters training. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, of course, I got it at the book fair and then I went through it and mom brought this when we were all hanging out not too long ago and she, it was an official certificate of that you're an official Ghostbuster and I'd printed my name and I think maybe I didn't do it w- good enough the first time so I had to scratch it out and print it again. Oh, to make sure. it's very official. It's very suitable for framing. and We have a picture of it. We'll put a link in the show notes of my status as an official Ghostbuster. Yes, so, so no That's one should amazing. ever question you again in your paranormal acumen. <laughs> <laughs> So, So, you know, speaking of like all this, you know, family interest in our family in in, um, Ghostbusters, the story of Ghostbusters itself came from Dan Aykroyd, who has um, his own, you know, paranormal heritage, Uh, you know, not only his, his own knowledge of psychical research, but also a real history going back uh, throughout a few generations of his family. He calls it it's his family business. I did reach out to Dan Aykroyd's publicist. Oh, you did? For this episode. <laughs> and yeah. he didn't get back to you? No, strange thing he didn't get back to me. <laughs> oh, but. man. Imagine but, that. No, that, that's the dream interview. We'll have Dan Aykroyd on some. If, if, if there's one person I want to interview. Oh, gosh, that would be so good. It's Dan Aykroyd because n- number one, I love that everybody loves Dan Aykroyd. Even that Nothing But Trouble movie. Oh, let's not talk about it. But I love Dan Aykroyd. And I even used to watch the, the um, what was this? The Chronicles of the Paranormal, that Canadian yeah, well, show. Yeah, we'll, that we'll talk about that because that has to do with his family history as well. It was uh, okay. Sci Factor, Chronicles S- of the Paranormal. Sci Factor, Chronicles 1996 of the to 2000. Yeah, I used to watch that in the dorms. Okay. Allison, let's start with Dan Aykroyd. What's his family history? I know yeah. that his father's into this stuff. But right, his- but it even goes beyond that. So he's got this whole family history of spiritualism, uh, which he's referred to as his family business. And um, that's very much where the story of Ghostbusters grew out of. So um, this, uh, well, let's, let's first uh, explain what spiritualism is. Spiritualism is a religion that started around uh, 1847 in uh, New York. And the principal belief in spiritualism is that the spirits of the dead surround us and are available for us to contact. And we should be contacting them because they're our loved ones and they want to help us. Wendy and I did a lot of spiritualism. We talked about Houdini and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. And also our, our episode with uh, Brian J. Showers talking about Victorian right. horror, we go into spiritualism too. So uh, we will put the show notes in there. So if you guys need a brief reminder of what spiritualism is, we got you covered. 
Yeah, and so that's um, where uh, the seance ceremony came from, is this religion of spiritualism, which, which still has its adherence today. In now, Wisconsin, there's a yeah. spiritualist camp. Yes, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, too. So Dan's great-grandparents were really into spiritualism, so much so that they had a home circle. So a home circle is what you would call your uh, seance group. So they basically were like teenage girls and had a, a Ouija board party every Friday night. No, not at all. Not a Ouija board at all. Uh, but instead, they had a medium. And they conducted, I think it was weekly seances at their home, an old uh, farmhouse in Canada, a. At, for 12 years. Now, Wow, that's serious. That's not the most significant part. Wait, but the medium was a live-in medium? Yes. So you know their medium, going on there. Uh, Walter Ashurst, I think was his name, he <laughs> lived with them for 12 years in their home. That's, so that's how serious they were. That's really I'm serious. Kidding. That's like an that's like an alternative lifestyle serious. Yeah, right. And so his great grandfather Samuel A. Ackroyd uh, was a dentist, and but he was also you know more important than that. He was an ardent spiritualist, and he even corresponded with Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Oh wow, that's pretty cool. That's right. Did he do improv too? <laughs> that I don't know. Just a few years ago, Dan's father. Peter uh, Ackroyd Sr. wrote a book about this family history called A History of Ghosts, and it covers the family business of spiritualism, and um, it also covers the history of psychical research, trance, and uh, physical and direct voice mediumship across the world, uh, as well as automatic writing, spirit photography, faith, faith healing, electronic voice phenomena, etc., it, it really covers the gamut. So if you're looking for uh, some type of primer that gives you a good basis for understanding where paranormal research is today, you, you'll want to read that book, A History of Ghosts. And I, I remember listening to Coast to Coast and Dan Aykroyd and Peter Aykroyd were both on it. And, you know, you listen to an interview with Dan Aykroyd and whenever he gets an interview mode, he just sounds like Elwood Blues. Like he really <laughs> sounds like Elwood every time he talks. He's like, I love spiritualism. You know, that's just the way he talks. It, yeah, yeah. It, I'm on a like, mission from God. <laughs> just, you're just like, you know, we got a half a pack of cigarettes, a hundred miles to go, and you're just thinking, Elwood's right. That's all there. you can imagine. <laughs> yeah, and it, it really is fun to hear Dan Aykroyd talk about this because as someone that remembers, you know, growing up on the original Saturday Night Live, and having it just be one of my favorite things to be able to stay up late on Saturday night and watch that. To know, I mean, to have Dan Aykroyd be like, I totally believe in this. It just is yes. the most exciting thing in the world. Dan Aykroyd, he helped raise us. <laughs> Let's just put it out there. Yeah, when mom and dad were just drinking and, you know, out of control. <laughs> the TV was the only thing that kept us going. That's right. He was our moral center. <laughs> but but anyway, I'm, I'm quite fond. I just think he's adorable. And uh, he actually has been quoted as saying... I originated Ghostbusters based on reading the material and the real work of J.B. Ryan, uh, William Roll, and the Menomines. Men oh man, I knew I'd have problems with this. The Menomines Dream Lab. Stanley Krippner, he was the, the scientist behind that one, if I didn't say Menomines right. Whatever. So, real scientists who were into this. So, I took 
of that from my family history, my family business, and married it with the ghost comedies of the 1930s. Abbott and, and Costello, Ben Crosby, Bob Hope, and the Bowery Boys. I mean, everyone did ghost movies. I just thought, let's do a comedy ghost movie, but let's base it on real research. So that's what I'm talking about when I say that. And we talk about J.B. Ryan extensively in the interview with Nancy Zingroni, Dr. Nancy Zingroni, uh, when we talk about the history of parapsychology. So we'll put that in the show notes, too, if oh, you're wondering yeah. who J.B. Ryan and William Rule and Dr. Stanley Krippner all are. Yeah, and so that's that real-life basis for uh, what you see in, in Ghostbusters. So I think that's what gives it the strong that strong foundation. And speaking of the script and real-life inspiration, I, I like you, you put this in the outline. Transpersonal psychologist Dr. Charles Tart delivered electric shocks to subjects during an ESP test. Right. So, you know, when you see Peter Venkman in the beginning of the movie administering those electric shocks, <laughs> even when that so kid is getting the cards right and he says, I'm, I'm um, studying the effects of negative reinforcement, <laughs> that kind of stuff really happened. And Charles Tart is awesome, by the way. And he, he's still alive. Um, but, but yeah. But that's so, one of my favorite scenes. That's also, that was Gwendolyn. That was... Um, Charles, uh, Scott Baio's girlfriend from Charles in Charge. Oh, I did not know that. That Bill Murray was hitting on. and Well, and you uh, also see, what do you call the card deck again? I don't know if it's Zener or Zener. Zener deck. We, they, we have a song called Zener deck. That's right. So you see that in there, and that was developed by J.B. Ryan uh, from Duke University. He's been called the father of modern parapsychology, and he did real-life ESP extrasensory perception and pk um and and also to talk about the nerd experiments the sign nerd experiment credentials here i went uh, on a duke university tour just because i was interested in the jb ryan center oh really so, like, yeah well, you're like looking the, for for um the, the summer before senior <laughs> for year colleges the summer before senior year we went to uh north carolina for a couple weeks so dad could do something and I'm like, we need to we need to tour Duke University because I'm considering applying there. And it was just because of J.B. Ryan. Otherwise, because I don't care about basketball. And you think I want to live in North Carolina? No. But what I would like to do is study at the J.B. Ryan Center for Psychical Research. Yeah, well, they, but that's been closed down at the university, although they do have the Ryan Research Center still in North Carolina. Right. I discovered that, which is why I didn't send them an application. You were like, Psh, Duke. Blue Devil. I hate you now. <laughs> you got nothing. Right. You know, like they could have totally got you like one of, one of the greatest minds in our generation. But no, <laughs> they closed down the paranormal research. Right. In, instead, I joined a band. Okay. <laughs> That's right. So, so yeah, let me just. Mwah, mwah. So, so mwah, William Roll, he was another one. Um, St- State University, of West Georgia. He studied uh, poltergeist phenomena. He's, he's dead now, I believe. Stanley Crypter, he studied uh, telepathy at the Menominee's, I don't know if I said that right again, Menominee. Dream Research Lab. And as we said, Charles Tart. So, you know, these are all real life people. And some of them are still in the field doing research. And, and that's part of the fun of the original Ghostbusters because you feel that love towards those parapsychological experiments. And Dan Aykroyd really does hate I mean, he's got the family history and he brings out his personal love for it with things like his brother involved with the OSIR, the Office of Scientific Investigation and Research. 
Right. So this is one of Dan's other paranormal projects where um, in the 90s, it was 96 to 2000, I believe. And it starred Max Hedrum himself, Matt Fewer. Oh, yeah. Fewer. Matt Fewer is in there. And uh, so the Sci-Factor Chronicles of the Paranormal was supposed to be based on the real life case files of the OSIR. Now, this is really a weird part and and I don't, it, it's in the book to a, a History of Ghosts. He, um, Peter Ackroyd Sr. talks about um, Peter Jr.'s involvement with the OSIR. But I don't know if I can believe it, to tell you the truth. Because it's supposed to be this shadowy, quasi-government organization that was started in the 40s. And uh, that now it's gone underground. Like, for for a while... Canadians don't have anything shadowy. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know. And this was a Canadian TV show, we should say, I factor. But it was was on uh, TNT uh, here in the United States. But anyway, um, so there's this, this agency that opened this uh, public relations office and then contacted Peter Ackroyd to, you know, help them disseminate the facts of paranormal phenomena that they had had gleaned through their like uh, you know almost or sixty years of research, so uh, I don't know if I can believe that. I don't want to be Blair Witched into believing something <laughs> that's, that's not true, but um, but I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe there is this organization. The idea is it, it says in uh, History of Ghosts that. Uh, the public relations office has now been closed and since since about 2000 and they've gone underground again they're operating under another name somewhere and they have limitless resources and the, you know the highest level technology i i don't know if i can i can believe that i want to go i want to go there dan but i'm just not sure but anyway so you know chronicles of uh, sci factor chronicles of the paranormal was an interesting show. It was a lot like the X-Files, which was going on concurrently with it. Sure. Well, I, I like to think of it as a lot like Baywatch Nights. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I forgot about Baywatch Nights. Another and classic. And it's funny. One of one of uh, my friends actually got to go on the set of Baywatch Nights. And he's got this picture with David Hasselhoff. And no, he, no right, that's and cool. And I thought it was a set of Baywatch and he's like, no, is this other show called like you know Baywatch Nights or whatever? I'm like, I watched Baywatch Nights because it was <laughs> David Hasselhoff in the X Files with bikinis. <laughs> David Hasselhoff does the X Files with bikinis. That's great. Wow. Right. That's. Can you imagine being at the pitch session for that? <laughs> so imagine the X Files, but with me and bikinis. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. We gotta so, see if that's so, still on YouTube. So we should we should talk a little bit though about everybody's favorite scene in Ghostbusters. Okay. And then s- maybe see what some of the real life inspiration was for that. So Wendy, what's your Oh man, first you're of make all, me go first. For, first of all, when did you see Ghostbusters? Did you see Ghostbusters in the theater? I don't Were you seeing a home video or I don't remember actually. I think it might have been on video that I saw it the first time. Probably on a VHS rental from you know, the local uh Right. What was it like? Star liquor or something like that. <laughs> Used like to rent out VHS stuff. cassettes. But um, I don't know. I mean, I think, okay, to be honest with you, the opening scene in the library with the books flying off the shelves, mm. that just lured me in like nothing else, you know, because it, it's, it's so, especially as a kid, it was so scary. Like it felt so real and 
you know, and then wondering what they're going to discover, what's going to, you know, that, that just, what a great start for the movie. So, and I, I remember a couple years ago, I stayed in New York for a week and was right across the street from the big library. And I, I ran up the steps every day just to relive that opening scene from <laughs> Ghostbusters. I really did. Like we'd go somewhere and I had to go on the subway and I would just run up the steps. It's such an impressive building. And I took a, so cool. I took a picture and put it on Facebook. I'm I like, remember how does, that. How does everybody not think about the Ghostbusters every time they walk past the New York Central Library? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. That, that was a good one. The New York Public Library. You know, there's so much uh, in that opening that... That it's just so rich. I mean, well, they you, 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 immediately you can bring see. up ectoplasm, which is something from oh, spiritualism, yeah, right? Nice. And uh, also the symmetrical stacking of the books, you know, common in in poltergeist phenomena. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, they, tell us about they, this. Yeah, well, so I, you know, when I was watching it originally as a kid, I didn't, I didn't realize that that whole like symmetrical stacking that uh, Ray brings up was a thing. You know, what do you mean it was symmetrical stacking. I'm sorry. Well, well, there's just a stack of of books in in the mm. middle of uh, the oh, uh, okay the bookcases, and then um, of it's course symmetrical, Peter. So it's obviously the poltergeist is OCD. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> well, no, too. that is something that that is is shown uh, a, a kind of a corollary between OCD and poltergeist. But anyway, so and Bill Murray, the joke is, yes, no human would stack books that way, which is kind of, you know, if you blow up that that scene and and you think about, you know, real life depictions of ghosts, you know, that or other paranormal phenomena like crop circles, you know, people are always like, no, no human could do that. So that was like an authentic joke there that Peter Vinkman is like, Uh oh, yes, it couldn't have been done by humans. That was the joke. But um, then, you know, as I as I go through my life uh, doing ghost investigations, not in limit, not eliminations, but, you know, I do invest- investigate ghosts whenever possible. Yeah. So I, I've seen in in some of the cases that there in various hauntings, there will be things stacked um, like one one location uh, where there's been a lot of activity for decades, they had. Uh, Wait, what's the location that's had a lot of activity for decades? Okay, well, it's not open anymore. It's in Mequon, and I, I'm waiting for it to open again because I had my one and only paranormal experience there. That what? And, and when is the hometown Mequon, girl? Yeah, right, that. that's where I grew up. Right, it's an old farmhouse that was turned into a bar and restaurant. It's it's no longer open has been what was the name of the bar and restaurant was it like bob's well no it it used to to be called it used to be called club forest it was a steakhouse and then it became a mexican restaurant and it was called blue agave and that was around 2000 and when did you you ever experience anything there i did that's i was disappointed that there was a mexican restaurant in my hometown that i didn't know about (laughs) what i could have been having burritos this whole time yeah so that's the place where I, I had dinner and then I went to the bar and I was talking to the bartender about the ghost stories because the, the bartenders are the ones who who traditionally are the keepers of stories. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to figure out if there's any any more stories uh, about the place. And as I was talking to him, this tray of glasses that was up on this uh, high flat surface above everyone's head flew off and crashed into the middle of the floor. 
Oh, so yes, the flowers are not still standing. Nope. Nope. Was wow. completely smashed in the middle of the floor. But anyway, so this place had just so many stories. And one of the stories was that um, they went into the basement storage area one morning and when they opened it up, they saw that all the chairs that had been, you know, neatly stowed away along the walls were actually in the middle of the floor now in some kind of weird, like un- unwieldy pyramidal configuration. So, you know, they walk in and all of these chairs are stacked on top of each other in this pyramid shape, just like wobbling, but still uh, holding their shape in the air. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I would have loved to have seen that. You know, what's funny is that people used to do that as a joke in the dorms. Oh, yeah? Madison. Oh, yeah, that's right. They, yeah. would stack the, they would stack the chairs all on top of each other. As, maybe as it wasn't joke. people doing a joke. So maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't just the, the, the chicks in like us. 617B. We know who it was. It was a freaky ghost. Yeah, The you joke was on us because we thought it was people. <laughs> right. And so the ghosts are disappointed. It's like, finally, I thought they'd pay attention to us. Right. Yeah, that's Come our on, best guys. bit. And then we got people doing it. That's the right, best that, we got. That's not even fair. So now we're just going to have to watch them in the shower. Okay. Uh, so, Allison, what was your favorite scene from Ghostbusters? Well, I think, uh, I don't know. There's just so many of them. But but I think, um, you know, the whole bit with Gozer and and Zool and, you know, the, that that whole, like, ancient societies And uh, how long part. did it take you to realize the key master and the gatekeeper? Right. Like, I didn't even it, get that until I was 20. I'm like, yeah, well, yeah he's just the key master and she's the gatekeeper. And then you put them together. Oh, you, you had, you had no, no, uh, oh, no recollection, God. no realization that, that there was some sex magic involved in that, huh, Mike? No, I did not. I didn't either, actually. Well, re- rewatching like, it over the years, I've been more. surprised by like how adult it really is. You know, like mm-hmm. how adult that that movie is and how popular it was for us kids and a lot of that stuff just went over our heads i guess yeah but um oh here's here's something interesting that you know the the big bad in the movie gozer the gozerian yeah gozer the the gozerian so the name gozer actually comes from the enfield poltergeist case which you guys were talking about just a few episodes ago in the Ed and Lorraine Warren episode, we talk about the Enfield poltergeist because that's what The Conjuring 2 is based on. Right. The subject of The Conjuring 2. So it turns out that um, Dan Aykroyd um, and all his reading he's done on the paranormal had read about the Enfield poltergeist story and had read that one of the mediums involved in you know contacting the possessing spirits had come in contact with a spirit that was calling itself Gozer. And this spirit was using elementals, which are, you know, lower level uh, spirits to manifest itself. And and so this this gozer was supposed to be some kind of black magic user that was in some way involved with the Enfield poltergeist disturbance. Whoa. And, and so yeah. elementals, the elementals, when we're talking about it in the movie would be Vince Clortho, Rick Moranis's character. <laughs> And the gatekeeper, Sigourney Weaver's character, Dana. There is no Dana, only Zul. <laughs> um, so th- they would be the uh, they would be the elementals 
who are getting the world ready for Gozer to come in and destroy it. That's right. So, I mean, that was cool from, you know, when I found out that Gozer, that the inspiration for that name came from a real case, as wow. is many of the many of the things in the in the movie have their their, you know, real life corollaries. So, that was one of them. And apparently also, I, th- I think this image is really neat. You know, Dan has been quoted as saying that the name Gozer was scrawled upon the walls in the house uh, of the where the Enfield poltergeist subjects lived. Creepy. Yeah. If you do some research inside the, inside the, the richer Ghostbusters universe that came from the TV show, and we could have an episode dedicated to the cool occult shout outs that the real Ghostbusters cartoon had. Right, from, it's know. a cartoon for kids and it had all these yeah. real occult underpinnings. A ton of H.P. Lovecraft stuff. Uh, that's remember. why I loved it so much. There was an episode, first of all, we use a real Ghostbusters sample in one of our episodes with a song called Devil Music. And so we oh, use yeah. a, re- a real Ghostbusters sample from that for, <laughs> an, for an episode where Satan is actually setting up a game show in New York. But also, the cartoon would have everything from Ragnarok. That was the first time I ever heard of the oh, Nordic Ragnarok. mythology of Ragnarok. And the episode was called Ragnarok and Roll. <laughs> and then they'd have H.P. Lovecraft, and they would go visit Miskatonic University and talk to the professors at Miskatonic University, and they'd fight Cthulhu. Right, the, at the episode called Collect Call of Cthulhu. And Call of Cthulhu. Instead of Call of Cthulhu, which is H.P. Lovecraft story, Collect Call of Cthulhu. It's awesome. It really was the first two seasons of the real Ghostbusters and the syndicated series that you see every day. And there was like 100 episodes of the syndicated series. But those first two seasons and the first season of the syndicated series was spearheaded by J. Michael Straczynski from Babylon 5. So you, you have a real science fiction writer coming in to bring the Ghostbusters to kids. And right. that made it really fun. And I love that it wasn't dumbed down, you know? It's so great when you can have a cartoon introducing all this weirdness to kids. I mean, certainly there's people who will <laughs> will not like that, but I like it because it if you introduce these concepts to kids and then they can have all this other literature to go to and actually read. And, you know, reading should always be just a little bit dangerous. Well, what? <laughs> yes, reading <laughs> should be dangerous. <laughs> But I think what I liked about it was that you you take all these supernatural entities from the spirit of Halloween, Sam Hain, they've you know, oh right, and the boogeyman, and the Ghostbusters fought the boogeyman. So if you're a little kid afraid of the boogeyman, you're like, well, no, it's all right. The Ghostbusters took care of him. Uh. And so you know you take these characters and they, these evil characters from all kinds of fiction, werewolves, vampires. And then they'd be taken care of by these four regular dudes. I mean, I guess they were doctors, so they weren't just regular dudes. But they, they took all of them, and then they would fight them. And so that that's, was a really fun thing for kids. And until they really dumbed down the series in the third season and added this sli- like made Slimer the main character. And I love Slimer, but they made him the main character. They dumbed mm-hmm. down the series. J. Michael Straczynski left... Because he wouldn't accept the changes because he thought it was too dumb. And um, they, well, and they also disempowered Janine. And we love Janine because yeah. she's fun and she's part of the team and she even suits up in a couple episodes. <laughs> and they, they wanted to make her less of a powerful female character and more of a 
mommy type character. Oh, there goes that misogyny again. Well, and <laughs> that's the thing. And that's one of the reasons J. Michael Straczynski left. And well, I, exp- I respect his creative decisions. Yeah, because he, he wasn't just making a kid's show. He was making work that he wanted to be really proud of. Right. And, and so he's like, screw it. And, yeah, you can really, you can really um, feel that, you know, when you watch like Collect Call of Cthulhu. And it's just was just a masterful work that they're going to introduce these uh, advanced concepts to kids. And then you can go and do further reading. I just thought that was such a thrill, you know, even watching that as an older kid. But yeah, like for me, the whole like out of this world aspect of, um, you know, Ghostbusters and this idea that, you know, we have these these ancient gods that that like in the movie, I, I, Ivo Shandor is, uh, you know, has this strange cult that makes Dana Barrett's building. You know, they they engineered it to, you know, bring in spirit mm-hmm. energy. That's uh, my favorite scene from the movie, too. So, number one, I have a hard time with conflict between good guy characters. So, when the Ghostbusters are in jail and everything, I'm like, oh, I didn't like it. You know, I'm a little kid. I, oh. You know, I, when I watch Three's Company, whenever Jack would oh, say something yeah. totally stupid and he'd ruin the whole thing. I'd have to close my eyes for like 30 seconds and watching The Office, while I did think was funny, was a chore for me. Oh, Mike. So Such I a had peaceful that, guy. <laughs> well, but the, he had that conflict between the good guys. Like obviously the city of New York's the good guys because you think of the NYPD and the fire department and the mayor. And he puts the Ghostbusters in jail and they all get together and they start talking about how Ivo Shandor created the building and how after World War I, he thought humanity was too sick to survive. Mm-hmm. So he had to bring on Gozer to the destruction of humanity and created a cult for that. That, when we talk about the rich history of that universe, that established for me as an eight, not even eight-year-old, a seven-year-old watching the film, that this was going to be, uh, this had more stakes than that you know you go back to world war one and so when we were talking about the secret societies that was my favorite scene in the movie when they lay out the uh blueprint of the building in central park west and they talk about how we're going to get to the top and how we're going to get to the temple of gozer and i you know i still whenever i have to go up too many flights of stairs i still quote bill murray when he says tell me when we get to the hundredth floor because i'm going to (laughs) puke yeah so you know that was great too because like that whole idea of these weird sects that are summoning these ancient gods to you know destroy humanity was was so hp lovecraft well it wasn't just hp lovecraft it's also one of our favorite fiction authors too l ron hubbard Uh, oh right well well that that whole thing with the key master and the gatekeeper that totally reminded me i've heard tom cruise talk about that i think no way, really? <laughs> no, I haven't. No, I haven't heard about it. I'm just making a Scientology joke. It's okay. <sighs> oh, poor Tom Cruise. I know you love Tom Cruise, Allison. So. Well, I, I wouldn't say love, but yeah, he's got some good points. Anyway, so back on to <laughs> Babylon working. So so anyway, I'll run Hubbard, founder of Scientology and science fiction writer, uh, he and Jack Parsons, who uh, was a rocket scientist, you know, right. the, the, the JPL in Huntsville, Alabama. Right. So the jet propul- he's the founder of the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Still a very important uh, company today. Yeah, I'd say. So 
those two get together space again they're followers of Aleister Crowley. Holy moly, it's Aleister Crowley, right? Whoa. So uh, and, and the OTO. Who you got? You guys have talked about that before, right? <laughs> yes. So we've, ta- we've talked about Uncle Aleister. Yes, Uncle Al. So this whole idea of you know real life magic. They were really into it. Jack Parsons especially, and uh, he wanted to do this uh, sex magic called Babylon working. So the idea was he would find he would find this elemental woman, and uh, like where like at the bar or where do you? Find I, well, I don't know. He it's just I, I don't know exactly where he met her. I, I think it was in his own home because he used to have these crazy parties. But anyway, yeah. the idea was he was looking for his gatekeeper to bring this um, supernatural being of ultimate power into the world. And it was this is a real thing. It was called Babylon working, and um, you know it never never accomplished what they wanted it to. But it was based on Aleister Crowley's uh, novel Moonchild from 1917. So that's totally like the whole Keymaster Gatekeeper thing was Babylon working realized. Oh, and that's great. And 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 we'll have to have a whole episode on Jack Parsons and L. Ron Hubbard and the kind of weird stuff they did like that might have to be our first like tv ma episode (laughs) when we talk about the kind of stuff that they did uh, right back back in the 40s and 50s yeah they were wild let's just say that yeah yeah. (laughs) jack parsons was going to the moon every night (laughs) um but yeah i mean just just that idea like when you first see it in the theater you're like wow this is really out there where where did like the ancient sumerians come into it apparently this was a harold ramus edition this idea of ancient societies um bringing back a god later on the mythology they would say that gozer was the brother of tiamat right which is a a real uh babylonian i think babylonian god or i don't know i get get the Get them well, mixed up, and all those ancient connect. societies. We just at the, um, I believe that Our Lady Rosemary Ellen Guiley discussed Tiamat when she was discussing the jinn and the reptilians. In the, oh, right. It, the thing is that Tiamat was a reptile god that uh, was worshipped in ancient times. And Tiamat's children were said to be half man, half reptile. Ah, and so neat. when they when they developed the Ghostbusters mythology for the video game in 1990, the Ghostbusters video game, they made Gozer the brother of Tiamat, and the worshippers of Gozer had a war with the worshippers of Tiamat. So that does that mean that Gozer was up against the Jinn? The Jinn, they're everywhere. <laughs> the, the Jinn are everywhere, even in Ghostbusters. <laughs> That's right. They're, they're coming for your cheese. Well, the other thing that Ghostbusters had was a lot of occult texts. And I mean, that was really interesting to me that there could be these dangerous books. Well, right. So like the Tobin Spirit Guide was the big one they talk about. And they talk about this in the TV show all the time. Tobin Spirit Guide, they'd look up a ghost in Tobin Spirit Guide. So like when Egon called Slimer a class five free roaming vapor, you know, on the sixth floor, class five free roaming vapor, that was that Tobin had created these classes and had a spirit guide to a encyclopedia of the supernatural. Right. And it reminds me of, you know, medieval bestiaries, you know, our whole idea that, you know, you got to have this dictionary of creatures. We do have a couple examples of that, like the, the Malleus Maleficarum from 1486. Right. The, known as the Hammer of the Witches. 
And that was a way that you could diagnose uh, witchcraft. So, you know, but there are also like all these grimoires, these magical texts as well. We'll have to put a link in the show notes of, you know, some places where you can get a look at these real life dangerous books. And, you know, apparently the Tobin Spirit Guide, Spate's Spates Catalog of Nameless Horrors, um, and uh-huh. the Roland's Guide of Secret Societies and Sex, they're cool. not real text. I mean, but they they might have, uh, you know, there might be similar texts that mm-hmm. uh, are a lot like them. Well, they and, did for this new movie, they did make a, a Tobin Spirit Guide. Right. You know, I saw I saw that there were there were a couple of versions of Tobin's Spirit Guide. And so, you know, maybe some some of those I you know, one of them anyway had like was illustrated with different uh different entities. Yep. So that that one might be interesting to check out. So, uh we'll have all those links in the show notes and they'll be at othersidepodcast.com/100. 100. And speaking of, we're reaching the end of the podcast and we can talk about Ghostbusters and I think we should all go see the movie next week. Yeah. Definitely. And I was so jealous. I'm going to I'm going to post some pictures because our friend Alex Wendy. Yeah. He was at the premiere last night. Wow. Awesome. Taking pictures. So he's got a bunch of pictures oh, cool. from the from the obviously the Chinese theater in on Hollywood Boulevard. That's great. And so we'll put I took some of his Instagrams and we'll we'll post them in in the thing. But Episode 100, the end of the first Ghostbusters movie. What's the last line? Winston looks around at all the people supporting them after their fight with Gozer, the Gozerian. And he says, I love this town. And this week, othersidepodcast.com slash donate. Our first patron through Patreon is also from New York. Woohoo. Terrific. We'd like to thank John. For thank you, John, uh, being the first patron of yes. the See You on the Other Side podcast, and you guys can join into at othersidepodcast.com slash donate. Right. What I'm really excited about is now that we have our first patron, it means we get to start having our regular Google Hangouts. Oh, Yay. Google, I'm excited about the Google Hangouts because I want to get feedback from people about the things that they think are cool and fun. Yes, and that's one of the rewards for the Patreon campaign that we have is, I think, at the $3 level. You get to join the Google Hangouts with us. And it's basically a little online party. And if it's going to be anything like our last Google Hangouts, it'll be a lot of music and interesting conversation and red wine. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Or tea or whatever. Whatever you like. So thank you for joining us today, Allison. It's always a treat to have you on. Thanks, Allison. It was my pleasure. I'm just so excited about the new movie and I'm excited about you guys and episode 100 and your new Patreon. I mean, it's all happening now. It's all happening. And congratulations to you too because we're all in this together. So listeners, thank you. Co-hosts, thank you. You're welcome. Weird topics, thank you. (laughs) Episode 100 and let's get to that new song. One of the best parts of the original movie is the ridiculous commercial that they make when they're trying to drum up some business for the Ghostbusters. And the tagline for that commercial is, We're ready to believe you. And we thought that would be the perfect title for a song dedicated and inspired by the greatest paranormal investigation film of all time, Ghostbusters. Here's Sunspot with Ready to Believe You.
from devil dogs to demigods They never worry about the odds Got no time for the EPA or the silly bureaucrats They hate that <laughs> They hate that Slime was funny when it started But they classified free will But just got of quick So did the junior busters Hey, who wants to see a bunch of kids? Gozer was a traveler And he traveled his butt right into a beatdown And then they showed that prehistoric beat How we do things downtown How we do things downtown for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. Buster makes me feel good.